You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Heading off to Kids Church. We'll give them a minute to head out the door to Kids Church. We're going to talk about the tongue. All right, if anybody's had any really bad experiences of uh, things that they wish they hadn't said or uh, how they've ruined their life with their tongue, come on up and share your testimony. I'm kidding. Actually, as a church, we go the other way when it comes to that. Um, we like when, when people share their faith story, when they tell about what their life was like before they came to Christ and then how they got saved and what their life has been like since. But we like it when they write it out first and give us an idea of what they're going to say. Because there's been some people that have shared so much information. I don't know if it's when you put a microphone in their hand or what. They share so much information that when they're done, they're embarrassed. They almost embarrass themselves out of church because they're like, I can't believe I just said all that. So uh, controlling our tongue is difficult. Controlling our tongue is a hard thing to do. Um, in this message, I have two short videos that are available on Right Now Media that we offer you. One is a guy who is, was a youth pastor, and he talks about uh, the responsibilities that he had teaching the youth. And the passage we're going to look at talks about the importance of being good teachers when we teach people. Uh, we're not given the excuse, you know, if we're not perfect, we can't teach, because Jesus told us we're supposed to make disciples, teaching them to obey all things, so there's that. And then we're supposed to teach our kids in the Lord, and we are supposed to tell other people about Jesus, so um, teaching is a serious thing, but we need to be good teachers. And then, uh, towards the end of it, I'll show you another video clip of a guy who really wanted to fit in, a guy who... Uh, thought that if he pretended or told everybody that he was a firefighter, that people would think he was pretty awesome. Turns out they did, until they found out that he's not a firefighter. And then what is he going to do now? And what are the people going to do with him now that they've realized that this guy is a fraud? So that is one of the videos also that we have in the half hour that we have together. So the message is entitled, Control Your Tongue Before It Ruins Your Life. And I'm sure that you know that too many words can destroy your life. Hang on one second. I am not following my rule to shut my phone down because I was waiting to hear from Pat and then I forgot to put it on mute. So follow my example and put your phones on mute. The Bible has a lot to say about speech and the tongue. It's interesting that it's hard to get uh, my hands around how many words do people actually speak there's one thing that says, you know, women speak 20,000 words a day and men speak 7,000 words a day. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe that's true with you. Uh, another one says that's not true at all and that on average, average person talks 16,000 words a day. Now, if you take 16,000 words a day uh, times all the days of your life, that is a lot of words. A lot of opportunities for you to talk about things that shouldn't be talked about, gossiping, to brag, to boast, to try to present yourself better than you are, uh, to tell stories that are half true, like fish stories are always a great one. So originally the fish was this big, but as time went on, the fish kept getting bigger in the guy's story. Sometimes people add things to their story. Sometimes people brag and are trying to outdo another person. None of those are good. So, Psalm 
It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So when you think about the words that you say and that God sees and hears everything that you say, are the words that you speak, are they pleasing to the Lord? The words that go through your mind, that self-talk, that, that you've all got self-talk. Maybe you talk yourself up, maybe you talk yourself down. But is that pleasing to God? Do the things that you think about, are they pleasing to God? Um, what a great way to live life, to be always thanking God and praising God and with a heart of worship, with the words from your mouth and the words that are going through your heart. So Romans 6.13 says, Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. So that would include your tongue. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So that includes your tongue. So the things that we say should be used to glorify God, to be an instrument to do what is right, not to serve sin. And Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And you know there's people that just love to talk. So... There's just so many things I could say, but I'm trying to keep my words well chosen. Control your tongue before it destroys your life. Alright, so in James 3, let's look at this. Alright, James 3.1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, when this was written, they didn't have the Bible like we have the Bible. They didn't have Right Now Media. They didn't have a ton of Bible study material. They didn't have study Bibles. They didn't have all the resources we have to help get you on track with the Christian life. They didn't have the New Believer's New Testament with all those questions and answers that uh, we offer. So, teachers would show up and hopefully their motive would be to serve Christ, to teach new converts about Jesus. And sometimes people would show up to be teachers because they wanted to be well thought of, the high esteem of it all. They wanted people to be excited that uh, they were in the room and that they had all this information and knowledge. And sometimes the teachers actually would criticize other teachers to make themselves look better so that they would be more valued and more highly esteemed uh, among the churches than others. And there was just conflict after conflict. And James is pointing out that if you're going to be a teacher, that you should be a godly teacher, that you should be a good teacher, that you should be faithful, and you should speak the things of God as they have been revealed. There are some people that speak for God, and God didn't say that. So they're like, well, God says that you should, but they don't have a verse. They're just going off of some feeling or uh, something in their, in their heart or mind or whatever. And so that actually could lead people astray. You want to be careful of that. You want to be careful not to be like Diotrephes in 3 John who loved to be first. So when we teach, we should remember that if we're going to be teaching people about Christ, that not only should we speak the truth, but we should live the truth. That we should be an example. That we should be prepared to answer questions. That we should know that people might be watching us so I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but um, people in town know I'm the pastor of this church, but I, sometimes I forget. I forget that. You know, sometimes if I'm not wearing a River Rock shirt, I think I'm incognito, incognito and nobody knows. 
but um, the Saturday before the Sunday, was it last week or the week before that, the, the kid at the convenience store, I was getting a coffee refill on Saturday, and he's like, so uh, you got a good sermon for tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. He said, what's it on? And then I got to tell him and stuff, and I don't really know that kid. I think I've seen him once or twice or whatever, but I wasn't wearing a River Rock shirt or anything. So it's like, people are watching you, and people are watching me. So let's watch this video about this guy who was a youth pastor and what that was like being a teacher to those guys. So I grew up in Ohio, and it was really cool when the Lord called me to the inner city of Chicago. My role there was working with high school youth and got to do a lot of uh, sports and basketball programs with them and mentorship with them. Um, I just tried to love them and be me and tried to honor Christ in what I did. And I remember as I started working with many of these high school students and these guys that I would play basketball with, uh, very quickly they would ask me questions like why I spoke the way I spoke. And uh, next thing I know, they're changing the way they talk a little bit or they're watching what they say when I'm around. It was fascinating to me to, to see just how something as simple as just talking in a simple God-honoring way impacted people who've never experienced that before. And through that time, um, I really was able to use just my words as a way to minister to these young people. I mean, they grew up in a culture uh, full of swearing and degrading women, and that's just how they talk to each other. I got to run a program called Discipleship Basketball. Uh, so every Saturday morning, me and the guys would get together and we'd play basketball for a couple hours. One student in particular lost a one-on-one -on -one basketball game with me and he had to take all his rap music off of his iPod and put Christian rap and worship music on there. And, and he comes back and he's like loving this music. And the fascinating thing to me was that his language started to change. The more he listened to the godly music started to affect even how he spoke. I would watch how they interacted with girls, especially the things that they would say to them. And I just chose to speak about women in a way that would be more honoring and they would slowly start to pick up on that and they would all of a sudden realize that not everyone speaks to women that way. Not everyone talks about women that way or views women that way. One day I remember I was walking with a, a student that I was really close with. We were just walking down the street and, and he kind of said something at a girl walking the other way and, and it was very degrading and kind of vulgar. And uh, I just kind of asked him a question, like, why did you say that? And he just kind of looked at me really surprised, almost like, well, of course, that's what you say to women. It led us to this really good conversation about how to speak to women and about just why we say the things that we say. And for him, he had never actually thought about it. He just talked in a way that he learned. He just said things that other people say that he picked up his whole life. While working with my students in Chicago, it was great to exhibit language that honors and glorifies God, but then it led to what's really important is sharing why. That led us to many conversations about the gospel and how God has come to set us free from sin and death and to redeem us and calling us out of a life of words that are destructive and to really help them understand not just to speak in a way um, that's good, but to speak in a way that honors Christ because we love Him.
All right, so you don't need a classroom to be a teacher. You don't need to gather a group of people around you sitting in chairs to be a teacher. All you need is to be investing your life into someone else. And through the words that you speak and the life that you live, you can teach them. Hopefully, uh, the things that you say and the things that you do will be learned uh, so much as caught, not taught, especially among our children. So you could be like this guy who used to be a youth pastor and just invest your life into someone, maybe at your workplace, and they'll notice that you're different. And you'll be able to explain that the thing that's different about you is Christ in you, and then you can share that with them. So number two, words to speak well. So the first one was words to teach well, and the next one is words to speak well. And we'll go back to our River Rock well, uh, worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. But words to speak well. James 3.2, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every, in every other way. So we all make mistakes in the things that we say. Uh, there's times when I say things or I've shared things with somebody or spent time with people and I go uh, away or back home or whatever or I'm in the car and I'm praying that God would help the words that I said that shouldn't have been said to evaporate and to disappear. And the words that I said that might have been worthwhile to stick and to stay. Um, sometimes I have to go back and apologize for something that I said or shouldn't have said. Um, you, I'm sure, have made a mistake in the way that you've shared something that shouldn't have been shared or said something that shouldn't have been said or uh, said something about yourself that wasn't necessarily true. Um, you have uh, boasted or lied or bragged or shared someone else's business, but we all make mistakes. And you and I need to do all that we can to try not to make those mistakes, but then we also have to realize that we can't be perfect in the things that we say without Christ in our life. So when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, it helps us to live out the fruits of the Spirit and to then uh, control our tongue. To be able to have that self-control, to not say things that don't need to be said sometimes, to... Um, keep the main thing the main thing, and that's our relationship with Christ. And to have patience with people when they aren't necessarily easy to be with or easy to deal with. But we make many mistakes in the things that we say, and we need to be patient. We need to be kind and rejoice in the truth and bear all things, believe in all things, hope in all things, endure all things. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, and if you look at that, and then think about the way that you speak and the things that you say. Hopefully it will be a filter, something that helps you to say the things that are correct. Then James gives some examples on how words can steer our lives to guide and direct and steer our lives. The things that we say can help us to have a better life or a worse life. can help us to continue in a relationship or to kill a relationship. can help us to uh, enter into uh, a romantic relationship or not, help us to get a job or not. The words that we say are very important. And so James says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Because you put the bit in the horse's mouth and you can turn its head and then the horse will go in that direction. And some of those horses are way bigger than you, way more than you, could step on you, stomp on you, but you can control that horse uh, by that little metal piece or that leather piece, that bit in its mouth. 
says, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And if you were to look at a picture of a ship and then the rudder in the back, it's like most of the rudders in the back of ships aren't that big. I guess the Titanic had a monstrous rudder that needed like some kind of propulsion thing to get it to move. And we know that didn't work out very well. But a rudder on a ship is what steers it, or on a boat is what steers it. In our tongue is like a rudder that steers our life, steers our relationship, steers our conversation. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a forest on fire. Fire is an awesome thing. It's a gift from God. We use it to cook. We use it to keep ourselves warm. We use it to burn our garbage and get rid of stuff. Fire is an awesome thing, but when it's out of control, it can destroy things. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And sometimes just a word that we say can start a war at work or uh, start the destruction of a relationship or discourage a child or uh, so many things can be said that can be damaging. And so many times those words, even when you apologize for them, say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean to say that. But those words still stick. And often when you apologize, especially when it's a younger person, the words just don't go away. They, they stick. And sometimes there's also the problem of what you said and what the person heard you say or thought you said that causes trouble. So active listening is uh, sometimes helpful when say something like, well, what I hear you saying is... And then you try to repeat back to the person what you think they're trying to communicate. And maybe they'll say, well, no, that's not what I meant. And then they'll adjust it. And that can be good communication. So that is a good thing. But sometimes when we're speaking and talking, uh, we're talking about our ability or our talents or our triumphs or our position or our possession or our accomplishments. And sometimes it can be helpful to inspire people and other times it can make people feel bad about themselves or feel like they don't fit in and all the difficulty that comes with words. Uh, just the wrong word can set a great forest on fire, a tiny, a tiny spark. Verse 6, words can destroy your life. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. You know, Satan is the father of lies and the Bible says if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and been born again, if you haven't uh, received Christ into your life, then you are a child of Satan who is the father of lies. And so many times the motivation that comes from within is an evil, wicked desire. A desire to bite back, a desire to argue, a desire to put somebody in their place, uh, to uh, use words to destroy someone. Uh, there's times in marriage where uh, the husband or wife will do everything they can to win the argument, and they'll win, but then they'll lose out on the relationship. On September 11th, 1995, a squirrel climbed onto the Metro North Railroad power lines near New York City. This set off an electrical surge, which weakened an overhead bracket, which let a wire dangle toward the tracks, which tangled in a train, which tore down all the lines. As a result, 47,000 commuters were stuck in Manhattan for hours that evening. Just like this squirrel caused a lot of damage. A word can cause a lot of damage. So when we spread rumors, when we have sharp cutting remarks, we can destroy marriages, we can mess up children, we can harm friendships, we can destroy reputations, uh, we can start fights. 
We can even keep people from getting promotions they might have deserved just based on the things that were said. But it's just so strange how a few words can change the course of someone's life. So we need to be careful about the things that we say. We need to be careful about the way that we say it. We need to be careful not to speak evil of other people. There is times to share with the right appropriate person something that you know about somebody that might be a caution or a concern. But overall, you don't need to tell everybody everything you know about everybody else. It's just not helpful. So, okay, here's the story of the guy who really wanted to fit in. And I understand really wanting to fit in. I was a new kid at school all the time because my parents moved all the time. And, you know, I've, I've been there trying to fit in. And when I first went to Bible college down in Tennessee, I got a job at the mall selling fur coats and leather jackets for Bermans. And I realized back then, this is like the mid-80s, that people wouldn't buy anything from me because I was a Yankee. Now, things have probably changed and accents probably aren't as strong, but I figured if they weren't going to buy anything from me because I was a Yankee, that I would just change. So I can't do it as well as I did when I lived among them, but it would be like, how y'all doing today? Would you like to try on a coat? How are all y'all? And then, you know... Uh, one time this guy's like, boy, where are you from? I'm like, north of Hickson? He's like, how far north? I'm like, Minnetonka, Minnesota? Eh? He's like, what? So now, I believe from the people that I've talked to around Tennessee that accents are not as strong anymore and the whole Yankee thing isn't as big of a deal. But the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I changed who I was because I wanted to sell stuff. And it worked. And like I said, that was a terrible accent because I don't live among those people anymore. Anyway, words. This guy wants to fit in. Let's see how it works. You know, living in New York, for me, you know, it was about who I can be when I wanted to be it. I really had no uh, fear of people whatsoever. I was the crazy kid, if you would was that I was always confident enough to give a, a solid answer, even if it wasn't the truth. I was really good at manipulation, really good at spinning. My tongue was a tool that I used to get whatever I wanted. I lived lavishly. I, I made a lot of money and I played hard. I lived paycheck to paycheck. I um, also found myself with a tremendous amount of rage when it came to not having my way, you know, and, and thinking that I was better than everybody and slamming the phone down and um, saying things that, you know, I would look back on as regretting. The anger ultimately, you know, would be the downfall of me um, in losing that job. I remember getting a phone call um, and they said, you know, Jared, because of your actions, both from a perspective of uh, not keeping your mouth shut um, from a professional standpoint, uh, whether it's uh, telling inappropriate jokes or, uh, or just your anger, we're going to have to let you go. And so in that, I lost a phenomenal job, which uh, was a, a very, very tough time for me. You know, it was about seven months after I moved to Dallas, um, I uh, fell into a state of depression. Um, I remember crying myself to sleep several nights. It was the third night uh, I did that. I woke up the following day with this uh, strange desire to find a church, which uh, was the first time in my life I've ever felt that. You know, several people I crossed paths with at the church would ask me, hey, where are you from, man? I'd tell them, hey, I'm from New York, I'm from the Bronx. They would say, wow, we love that city. So what did you do there? And I told them, hey, I was a fireman. 
and I wore firefighter shirts that friends would give me. I wore sweatshirts, I'd go places, I would walk around like I was this ex-firefighter from New York City, that I was this paid hero. I uh, moved all the way down here, so a lot of folks started to welcome me in their circles. I was the cool kid. Uh, little did I know that that was all about to change. I became really good friends with a local uh, pastor that he uh, came to me with some information that a gentleman had emailed him. Uh, it was a gentleman that I hadn't talked to in probably seven years that had uh, said I was not a fireman. It was then that the truth was brought to the light. It was after getting caught um, I would finally have to confess um, all that was uh, true and all that was false. And it was a few folks that I had met, some good friends that I'd come across that said, you know, Jared, we don't care who you are or where you came from. We love the guy that you are. That's all stuff I never actually heard in my life. And it broke, broke me down. It was the first time that I actually heard somebody say, hey, we love you for who you are and uh, something I never experienced even as a child. And so it was a freeing feeling, but still nonetheless, it was a lot of work ahead of me to try to rebuild a lot of that trust that was lost um, with people. All right, so two things to think about are, one, is your life built on a lie? You know, if you lie to get a job, you always have to do whatever you said you did. If you pretend to have a skill, you have to keep pretending to have that skill. You know, eventually they'll probably figure it out. But if you lie your way into something, you might have to keep that lie going, which is the hard way to live. And then two, how are you going to treat somebody if you catch them in that kind of situation? And are you going to think about what are their motives? You know, words are powerful. And words are what God gives us. He gives us His Word in the Bible. And the Bible says if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. So we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you've never been saved, uh, that means forgiven of your sin and adopted as a child of God and assured heaven and given the Holy Spirit and entering into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do that today by prayer, by praying something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And it's words that help people cross from death to life, from, from eternal death to eternal life. Number five, words can be sourced in evil. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. We need to control our tongues and realize that our tongues might want to say things that we don't want them to say. You might have to bite your tongue or not say what you think or count to ten or do something to not let those words out of your mouth. Uh, text messaging and emails are words, and sometimes I have written them and then deleted them as a form of therapy, and I'm so glad that I didn't hit the send button. I suppose you should probably do that with a word processor, not your actual email program, because once that stuff goes out, uh, the email program I have, you have 30 seconds to undo it. I think it's 30 seconds, maybe it's less than that, but once it's out, good luck getting it back. But your tongue, it's not impossible to control it because Christ can help you. But you need to be aware that it's like a sword. It can, it's dangerous. You need to be careful of what, it, what might come out of it, especially when you're angry, especially when you're upset or you've been hurt or wrong. Be careful in what you say because the source of your words can be evil. Proverbs says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent for their mouth. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. 
So let a fool hold his tongue, he'll pass for a sage. So that means that if you keep quiet and don't open your mouth, everybody will think you're wise until you open your mouth and prove them wrong. So Proverbs 15.1 says that gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And Proverbs 15.28 says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Like Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 12.35, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit or condemn you. And in the New Believers New Testament that we offer it on the back of your bulletin, on the back page of your bulletin, is this think. Here's a good rule to apply before you speak. Think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? So think before you speak. Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind? Think before you speak. Number six, words can curse and bless. Sometimes it praises our Lord, talking about the tongue, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Hopefully, your mouth will be full of praise all the time. And when it comes to wanting to curse someone, you'll remember that that person is probably trapped in sin. That person is probably going through stuff that you don't know of. That person doesn't have hope in Christ or know the way that they should live or speak. And hopefully, you will be able to show grace. I mean, you don't always have to take verbal abuse, which is a whole other topic. But to try to understand where they're coming from when they're living that kind of life. But you let your life be one that blesses. Let your life be one that's constantly uh, trying to tell others about Christ and then speaking, communicating with the Lord about the things that you need, the things that you're thankful for. The Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. And part of delighting yourself in the Lord is communicating the things that you need, the things that you fear, the things that you're sorry for, the things that you regret, the relationships that you hope can be mended, uh, the relationships that you hope that you will find. Uh, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, uh, dedicating your life to Christ, looking for ways to serve Him, making an eternal difference. Use your mouth to glorify God and you will be rewarded for that. And then finally, James 3.11, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Our words can be consistent through Christ. So hopefully, when people come to you, when people talk with you, they'll see a consistency in you. They will see that you are always living for Christ, that your speech is always tuned in to the things of God. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to use every word to talk about the things of God. You can talk about other things too. But along a windswept hill in a cemetery in Ireland is a tombstone with the following inscription. It says, here rests in silent clay Mrs. Arabella Young, who on the 21st of May began to hold her tongue. Hopefully, you won't live your whole life and have people wish that you would just be quiet. You won't live your whole life saying things that shouldn't be said and that people would speak about you uh, in such a poor way after you are gone. But when we think of words, we need to think about uh, that they're a tool. 
that God has given us the ability to speak. And hopefully we are constantly learning and growing and maturing in faith that the Holy Spirit enables us to say things that need to be said in a way that's graceful and understandable, in a way that helps people have better lives. Everybody wants encouragement, and that's why one of the parts of River Rock Church, worshiping, encouraging. Uh, evangelism is part of encouraging, sharing your faith. But to encourage people, when you talk about Christ, make sure that whatever you say is rooted in the Word and not just your ideas so that it is sure and trustworthy and use your words wisely. Lord Jesus, for words are many, sin is not absent. Lord, let our words be few. But I pray that the words that I said that were worthwhile would stick and the ones that I didn't would fly away and disappear, evaporate. We pray you'd bless us as we go from here today. We thank you for the worship team that's going to come sing one more song. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.